Hello there, nerds, and welcome to Go To There, a 30 Rock podcast, a weekly chronological journey through 30 Rock, looking at the jokes, the references, the highs, the lows, and all of the blurbs that come as one of the best shows of the 21st century. As always, I'm your host, Curtis Stone, and joining me is... And welcome to episode 83, season 5, episode 3, entitled Let's Stay Together, originally airing October 7th, 2010. David, if you would please give us a quick summary slash synopsis of this episode. In order for Congress to approve the Cable Town merger, Jack goes to Washington to testify in front of a congressional panel, but runs into opposition. A congresswoman at the hearing, played by Queen Latifah, chides NBC for his lack of diversity, leading Jack to make rash decisions, including promoting Twofer to the co-head writer of Thirty of to the co-head writer of TGS. But after Twofer starts in the new position, Liz only becomes more insecure about her standing at the show. Meanwhile, Kenneth is finding it harder than expected to get rehired into the page program at NBC, turning Jenna into a pageant mom as she tries to coach them to success. So I personally kind of forgot about this episode. Um, like, I remember the Queen Latifah cameos, but I think she, she shows up again, I think, near the In end. three months. Yeah, I think near the mid-season break or the end of the season, I'm trying to remember, but... Uh, we'll see her again, um, but I remember her bits from it. I remember the boardroom scene with uh, Paul, uh, or sorry, Paul Reiser, no, uh, Rob Reiner. Rob Reiner. Uh, I remember all of those bits, but um, I the Tufer storyline, the the Kenneth storyline, I just all of those just were not in my memory. And I, and it's not that they're bad. I don't think they're bad. I actually think they're pretty funny for the most part, especially like. Uh, Grizz.com and Tracy having to develop this new show for NBC and uh, .com wanting to tell like basically redo good times about a poor struggling black family but Grizz and .com or Grizz and Tracy are just like just make it make it as silly and wacky as 90 sitcoms were where dogs are talking and like completely underlying everything that .com is trying to say uh, like that stuff was funny and, and clearly uh, an inside jab at all like sitcoms and stuff like that but I just didn't retain much of this episode, but it's still like it's a good, it's a solid episode. I think this is a better episode than the season premiere episode, but yeah, it just doesn't happen. There's something about it. It's that's it's off. pretty good, but it's very of its time. Like yeah, that's true. So it's super meta in that at the, every year on this time, NBC. So the the main plot line is basically the NBC is being criticized for not being diverse enough, which basically an echo of real life so 30 rock is just parroting that and i think it's because a lot of the references are there at the moment like there's constant references to law and order <laughs> and which i mean is i mean is and they're funny but it's it like it, you know exactly i mean because that was right because that was right after the time that that nbc canceled it so mm-hmm. svu is the last law and order standing is it, but that is still going it right? is still going yeah they try yeah, to do a device t on it right uh or is he csi no, I think he was one of the law and order. I don't know if it's that. I don't know if it was that law and order. I think it might have been regular law and order. He was on. That's probably. True. I think I, so. SVU was Mariska Hargitay, and then Christopher Maloney was on it for years, and then he left a while ago. Now I'm not sure who. Uh, I, I mean, obviously he was replaced. I yeah. I don't know who or I how many people might have been. In this. Anyway, anyway, SVU is the last one standing. Um, anyway, yeah. of course, like. TV networks and programs, etc. Like being diverse is has been, an, I guess, an ongoing topic of the moment. But I think it's just more that a lot of the specific cultural references here are very ten years ago. 
Um, I mean, I think this was the time that the NBC Thursday Night lineup was 30 Rock, Parks and Rec, Community, The Office, and... Outsource it for me. I was just about to say, another show that we will definitely talk about yeah. when it gets referenced in a little bit. Yeah, yeah. this was the season that Out- Outsourced had just... This episode would have aired just a month, I guess, after Outsourced yeah. premiered that season. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, and even before that, I mean, even in that other... In that same line, that kit, the the guy is saying about Outsource is the new Friends. Like, even before this block of... You know, must see must see TV Thursday. It was Friends, Seinfeld, uh, Caroline in the City. Like all like again, just a lot of white people led yeah. programs. So yeah, NBC obviously had a big problem, with, and not just NBC, but a lot of uh, top. I guess it's kind of say it's top ten well, networks. I mean, all the all of them <laughs> suffer from yeah. lack of. I think Fox is Fox was probably the more. But I think we mentioned it. Uh, a number of episodes ago but it was because Fox had mandated a lot of systems in place to make sure that there were more African American or non, yeah. uh, non-white non shows being made in production even if they maybe didn't pick up or stay that long but I remember I think I'd say Fox and then UPN slash WB were like the two front runners pushing more African or non-white or let's say people of color programs versus uh, CBS, NBC or Fox or I'm sorry NBC, CBS or ABC Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, well, I think Fox was kind of ebbs and waves because I think for a while it had a lot more programming aimed at ally audiences. But then after American Idol, I think they kind of pivoted towards more mainstream stuff. And then I don't know if 2010. I don't know if they would have yet. I guess around the time that shows like Brooklyn Nine Nine premiered, that would have been the time when Kevin Riley was the president, and they had they were they were they had sort of that diversity initiative. So this this actually might be just before that. I can't. Remember. But anyway. NBC certainly had a problem with yeah. their image at the time, and I, I I can't remember if that was part of the actual like Comcast deal. Uh, if they were talking about that in Congress, I, I can't remember the time. Um, it probably like it's probably it may have been stemming from something. I doubt in a way. I mean, unless I'm really forgetting something, I, I don't think anyone was like grandstanding to like block the deal because of that. But um, I. I mean, it, it must. It could have been like, yeah, maybe an offhand comment or something that someone mentioned, and it got out or, or something. Like no, I feel like if that were happening now, there would it would definitely would make a lot of headlines. Like that, there probably would be Congress people who would be more vocal about that sort of thing, and and it would become more. I don't know. I feel like if anything, like politics has become the 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 most popular sport of the last in the last several years. So I mean, you know, what I mean, like that sort of thing definitely yeah. would get more coverage and and. People would be more vocal about it, I guess, and and not just for people of color, but also uh, a lot of LGBT um, writers and yeah. producers. You know, what's interesting. This episode doesn't even touch on that at all. It's all very like I won't say shallow, but it's very like focused specifically yeah. on race. And there there's a little bit like some like um, I guess there's some like feminism popping up in that. Liz at one point says it's more of a boys club than a than a white people's club or something like that so but she's like but in they're doing that she's talking over the race exactly she's exactly she's talking over and, and the point of it is is liz is liz is <laughs> being just being if not outwardly like not necessarily being outwardly racist but just being like stupid in like mildly like picking the right big, yeah exactly yeah. and in i don't think it's the right word but i mean you know she, she, she she's not like being like crushingly racist but it's kind of has and it's right. her doing her clueless like, it's just her thing. not being yeah. like being aware of the subject matter but not talking to the right subject matter like it's like yeah. well I'm you know I'm a woman I should also be praised and it's like you're a, a straight white woman that you know 
Like this just isn't your platform right now. So yeah. just so, yeah. But essentially, so I think this is still like 2010. So I, I think in the Obama years, like we are thinking more consciously about social issues and representation. But it's not. You, you can tell it's not as advanced because an episode more recently would be more. I don't know. I, I think it would be. It would it would talk about more than just race. Like it would be focused on sexuality yeah. and just other things in general. Yeah. So yeah, they probably. I don't know. It, it, it seems something that Thirty Rock would do is they would maybe have Lutz play like a trans, like play up his Inuit ancestry and maybe make him trans, like try and have like a trifecta of oh. <laughs> of archetypes for yeah. them to be like, look how diverse we are. We have a person who's trans and Inuit and this, and it's just like, oh boy, I could easily see them doing something like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I guess Ryan Murphy was probably the one like the biggest LGBT advocate because American Horror Story would have been going on at this time. In TV? Uh, probably. I'm, there might be more that either were closeted or just weren't that, um, mm. I don't want to say flamboyant, but like that open about themselves. But it um, seems like he's the one that sort of... I mean, I don't know about that. There are plenty of showrunners. I think Ryan Murphy was just the only like breakout. prominent... Like if you think of like brand name showrunners like Dick Wolf, and Mark Burnett, yeah, yeah, like he was right. He's probably the only openly LGBT big name writer showing at that time. Yeah, and I'm not saying he was the only one, but I yeah. think like he was just the breakout and one of the ones that the most successful, probably. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I still, I think Glee is the only show that I've ever seen him involved in, and even then, I dropped it after two seasons. But that's he did uh, American Horror Story. He did a. Uh, American Horror Story, Nip Tuck, um, popular. Did he do the O.J. Simpson thing? He did, yeah. American Crime, uh, the American Crime Story Jeez, series. He's so busy. Pose. How does he have time for any of this? Well, I mean, it. I don't think he. Like, for example, for the O.J. Simpson season, like he didn't write it. Like, did they had, or at least he didn't write most of it. Like, they had writers come in. He may have directed that. I'm not. Sure. He may have directed some episodes, but like, he doesn't always put his full attention on mm-hmm. Journey every show. Like, for example, I think like the first season of Pose, he was more heavily involved, and then stepped back in the second season. Mm-hmm. Um, he has a lot of projects, but I don't. You know what I mean? He's not necessarily all giving them all full attention. Right. right like, right. I think the famous thing about him is that. Like it, it, a lot of his shows are like ridiculed for like going off the rails after a season two when he quote unquote loses interest. So <laughs> I think it's this, but I think it's the sort of thing where he's told himself now where he's not he's not show running the shows. Some of the shows a couple seasons and now other people are taking the races. Like Pose, you know, had a I, I think the second season of Pose is even better than the first. Like, well, I think there have only been two seasons of American Crime Story. And the OJ Simpson series was like heavily claimed. Like I really liked the um, the Andrew yeah, Cannon, Versace. yeah, the Versace season. I think, and then oh, feud. I think he did that show feud too. That that, that was supposed to, like there was talk about having like three or four seasons, but like nothing else. Like the, the first season was was Betty Davis and Joan Crawford, and like that one aired, and then oh, it was like there was yeah. supposed to be like a Charles and Diana or something in the British royalty, and like there was another one they were talking about, but apparently that show was all canceled. So it's like, and of course now he has a Netflix deal with. The politician and Hollywood and Jesus whatever. Christ, bro! Oh, Ratchet that show with Sarah Paulson playing Nurse Ratchet. Oh that's yeah, supposed to come out, which I don't, yeah. I don't, I don't I think I'll be skipping no. that one. But anyway, but that is a Netflix. That is a Netflix one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have no interest in that. Uh, but yeah, um, I don't know how we got this. Yeah, we far, but, Yeah, 
well. Um, anyway. <laughs> I guess we should hop into the episode. We probably we should. anything else to say about Ryan Murphy or any other showrunners? Let's hop in. Let's hop in. All right, so the cold open is going to set up uh, Liz's storyline of her feeling underappreciated at work and Jack's storyline of him heading to uh, Washington to uh, help finalize the deal regarding the Cable Town merger. Look at this. The writers put it on my door. I don't know what that's referring to. It's referring to this one time that I got a chemical peel before work and I was wearing a red and green sweater and a fedora. But these douche bees have been doing this for weeks. Les Lemon. First thought. Winona Ryder in a hundred years. Weak. Fart Barfunkel. Indian food. Paul Simon. I don't get that, but it hurts. Look, I love a good joke, but I am their boss, and at a certain point, it crosses a line. To quote Rodney Dangerfield, hey, yay. <clears throat> hey, yay, yeah. Lemon, if you're about to say that you don't get any respect, you're right. I mean, in a post-apocalyptic world, how would society even use you? Traveling bard. Radiation canary. I have to run, Lemon. I have an appointment in Washington. The hearings on the Cabletown NBC deal are underway, and the company has entrusted me to be their frontman. Hey, will you ask Congress where they put the USA Network? I've been trying to find Monk for like three months. The only thing I will be discussing with the House Subcommittee on Baseball, Quiz Shows, Terrorism, and Media is vertical integration. What's vertical integration? Imagine that your favorite corn chip manufacturer also owned the number one diarrhea medication. That'd be great, because then they could put a little sample of the medicine in each bag. Keep thinking. Except then they might be tempted to make the corn chips give you... Vertical integration. Wow, that should not be allowed to happen. But it's my job to make sure that it does happen. Do you know who gets elected to Congress these days? Former athletes, washed-up actors, and, uh, women. I'm locked and loaded and ready for whatever these beltway lobotomites throw at me. What if we have to stay overnight and there aren't enough rooms? We have to share a room. And I forgot to bring a shirt to sleep in and the stores are all closed? Um, Jonathan is thirsty for, for Jack. Is this the first time we've seen Jonathan in a while, right? Uh, I can't remember to be honest. I honestly think it's. Been I guess if so, he hasn't episodes. been very notable. He hasn't been very notable. So there's a lot to unpack in there. Like I get the 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 first nameplate is is visual only, but it says F. Kruger, which obviously is referring to Freddy Krueger and the Nightmare on Elm Street. Oh, is it? Does he wear a red and green shirt? I are you? Seen it. Are you? See, you don't know anything about no, Nightmare on Elm Street? I've never seen it. What about Jason? You know what Jason is? Or Michael Myers? Yes, Michael Myers is Halloween. Okay. Jason is. The other one that I can't think of the name right now. No, it's like I know Nightmare on Elm Street. Mask. Right, but it. What yeah, Freddy, Freddy Krueger is the guy with the claw. Yeah, dream. The he's, red, he's the, the, he gets you in your dreams. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The red and green. And yes. The yeah, that's yeah. Freddy Krueger. Yeah, no, but Jason is is the what's the movie that is? Uh, Friday the Thirteenth. There we go. That's what. Yes. The, yes. <laughs> I'm glad I helped. You. I knew it. I just couldn't <laughs> yeah, think of the name of it. Yeah. No. Um, I don't. The idea of the Nightmare on Elm Street of like. He can only get you in dreams is actually a really cool idea. They stretched it into like seven or eight films, and each with I think less, you know, returning receipts, I guess, of interest. But like, it's such a cool idea of you can be so creative with how you try and kill a character because it's literally the dream world. You can do whatever you want, kind of. Thing. Is that the one where the second one was extremely homoerotic, or is that Friday the Thirteenth? That is. That is. Okay. Yes, incredibly homoerotic. Um, uh yeah friday the 13th has always been a little bit more serious uh they got campy a little bit as the series went on as most of those do but yeah friday the 13th is 
I would say Halloween is the most straight faced, and then Friday the 13th is a little bit more serious, but still kind of silly. But with Friday with the Nightmare on Elm Street, it's it was kind of camp from the get go of just because it's so creative in, in how it's trying to kill its characters that it can kind of do whatever it wants. Um, but also, it's got a weird or not. A, it's got an interesting backstory for its time. The reason that the Freddy Krueger character died was because he I think he was a I think they retconned this in, in like a couple of later films but I think it's it's sort of you don't know what it is but uh he was a janitor at school he was found not guilty of what parents said he was guilty of and so they did like vigilante justice on him to kill him he like trapped him in a basement and set him on fire oh my goodness and then in the I think when they retconned it they made it where he was a pedophile and he got away with it so the parents took vigilante justice again and burned him alive so his punishment was I'm just going to get your kids in their sleep kind of thing so it's like he's not a good guy by any means uh, like he's a, he's a bad person um, but yeah uh, really gnarly backstory anyway I've seen some of the screams oh man the first scream is an excellent movie I don't know why I don't I think people sleep on that movie now really it's, I, I, I think people I think consider that like a modern well not a modern um, but like relative, like, relatively like, modern classic yeah. of the genre yeah well it was Wes Craven the same guy that yeah. did uh, Nightmare on Elm Street I think yeah maybe I'm maybe I'm misjudging people's perceptions right? I think but I think people I think still yeah I think Scream's super high. good I mean it's coming back they got a fifth one in yes and Courtney Cox is returning yeah. so I actually saw the fourth one in theaters I don't know why that's but. the one with uh, Emma Thompson right the lady from one of the American Horror Stories. Wait, Alison Brie is in it. Uh, Emma, no, Emma Thompson Emma, is an older British actress, no, so I don't think so. It's an Emma something. Oh, Emma, Emma Roberts. Roberts. Emma, Emma Roberts. Yes, yes, she yeah. is. Yes, she is she, definitely in that. Spoiler yes. alert! I think she was. The She's killer. the killer. Oh, yes, yes. I mean, that's a. I think probably. Yeah. 10 also, it was extremely now. obvious that she would be the killer. If a, I don't remember much about it. All I remember is Alison Brie's death and thinking very early on that Emma Roberts is obviously the killer. Yeah. So there was also oh that's right they also did a TV series which yeah. two seasons I think uh, two or three actually I think I think they did a third like I think they had third one like had been in the can and they took forever to air it anyway I only watched the first season which was very not good yeah. and I think I can't remember how I don't think I lasted the whole time I feel like I gave in after <laughs> I just remember it being really bad and like oh. it was around the time where. The, the start of the true crime podcast boom so like there was a subplot like one of the subplots was like a podcaster like there was like a podcast going on about what was going on and I think the podcaster might end up being the killer or involved I can't honestly I don't even remember all I remember is that it was really not good yeah anyway. the thing, well, that's the thing is like a lot of horror movies now can't really exist with modern technology so you have to set them in places where cell phones don't exist or cell phones don't work because otherwise, you could FaceTime everything that's happening, or you yeah. can call someone immediately. So it's like, I, I couldn't imagine trying to write a horror story in the vein of, of Friday the 13th. I mean, obviously, horror can still work because we see it with Get Out and Us. You know, yeah. I mean, they're thrillers, but it's also like yeah. there's horror aspects well, get out to is, it. Get Out is, is, I'd say, is a horror. Yeah, film. I think Us is, Us is more of a horror than Get Out. Get Out felt more of a thriller to me. Um, anyway. Um, but yeah, it seems like super hard to try and write horror movies now just because of technology advancements and things like that. Um, wow. Speaking of vertical integration. Wow. Yeah, there we go. Um, yeah, also, um, 
and IMDb reminded me of this, but this whole thing of uh, a chip company putting something inside of its food to induce diarrhea so then you have to buy a medicine that they also produce. That was a plot line on a Sarah Silverman program oh, really? And I was just and every time I see 30 Rock, I was like, what is the show? What is the show that I've heard this story on? Because it's yeah, it's like they get super high and so they go to the store and they're like, wait a minute, this company that sells let's just say Doritos also makes anti-diarrhea medicine. They know they're gonna give you diarrhea and they put it right next to it where it's like you got the cure. So it's the cycle of diarrhea. And it's just like, wow. Tina Fey's a joke thief. She's a joke thief, but apparently Sarah Silverman is also a joke thief, I guess. But I think every comedian's had that launched against them anyway. Huh, vertical integration. Well, there was some synergy there with her and her monk reference. That is very um, true. Where's the USA Network? Because it's all true. by NBC Universal. That is very true. Yeah. Whatever did happen. Remember when the USA Network was a network of like light summer dramas like White Collar and Royal Pains? And... Oh, what was that show that, oh, Joan would always say she loved? Oh, Burgess. <laughs> <laughs> Which is not a bad show. It's, a, it's an average show. I mean, I watched bad. like one and a half seasons yeah. of Royal Pains and that was like a nice little whatever. Yeah, it's, it's like a safe. It's, yeah. That's like a bingeable show. Like you there were less shows them. back then. No, there weren't. There were oh, there definitely were. I mean, that was. I mean, Netflix. I mean, when Royal Pain was on, I don't even know if like Orange is the New Black and House of Cards had come out yet. But so it's not less shows. It was just yeah, there definitely less were accessibility. No, shows. I mean there were definitely way fewer shows. I mean now, now with Hulu, Netflix, Amazon, etc., like there are like literally like at least three times more scripted shows than there were ten years ago. It's not more than that at this point. Well, I'm, not, I'm not, I mean, maybe like new airing shows, but there's always like a backlog of shows. No, no. I mean, yeah, I'm, there's always going to be more as time progresses, but there's tons of shows. You no, but I mean, like, like literally every year FX always puts out a count of how many currently airing scripted series there are. And like, it was like, it was the point where it was like almost doubling every few years. So, and that's currently air, like not backlog, like currently airing scripted series that are like airing new seasons over the course of a year so i mean it's increased in ex- an insane amount since the time that house of cards and orange is the new black first well, came out. i'm sorry that you were really thirsty and you had to watch war of pains i didn't no i, I wasn't saying that i, I anyway anyway yeah, we'll, we'll talk more vertical integration when jack uh, is talking up in the boardroom but he he kind of puts a bow on what it is anyway uh but yeah that was a lot. <laughs> so Liz's day gets worse as she learns she cannot use the Johnny Appleseed trademark name because uh, the family is very litigious. I feel like that's also a reference. Isn't there like a famous, like Scientology, I guess, would be a good uh, footnote of famous uh, entities that are very litigious. But I can't think of a celebrity around this time that was... Um, litigious in this manner that they wouldn't let you you'd have to, i guess michael jackson probably it's just a joke right i mean it, it probably would just make a silly like a, a, a character that would be so uh absurd that of course they're litigious about it uh, yeah but uh anyway kenneth is but what about peter ben what well, not, not peter johnny, Bananaseed. Johnny, Bananaseed. johnny banana seed they're just as litigious apparently uh, no he killed a guy that's right he killed a bunch of nurses <laughs> Those um, banana seeds. Yeah, those banana seeds. That banana seed fan. You got to watch out for them. Um, meanwhile, Kenneth is finding it harder to get hired back into the page program. 
is that Jenna says she will help him out. Kenneth, you're back. I need you to get me something called Badger Tracks. It's for dry knees. I wish I were back, Miss Maroney. I'm reapplying to the PAGE program, but it's a lot harder than my first time around. It's gotten really competitive. You should have seen what I saw in Mr. Wienerslave's office. Well, your interview will be Thursday. Is there any AV equipment you'll be needing? Equipment? Inside Schwartz 21, Hill Street Blues, Wings is fun, Golden Girls, Quantum Leap, Outsourced is the new friends. The process used to be dignified. Now it's just a pageant. Just a pageant? That's like saying a guy is cool because he has just a speedboat. If you need help winning a pageant, you've come to the right place. Well, if it'll get me back into the page program... When I was pageantizing, my mother told me there's only three things standing between you and winning. Your breasts and wanting it bad enough. I'm not sure that applies. We've already started. So do you want to talk about Outsource? Because I have... I don't know how much we can talk about. I feel like we talked more. Oh, there's that much to say. No, it, just... it ran two seasons. One. No, one season. One it was season. one and one. It was... One of those, I think it had a strong premiere episode, and then immediately started falling off. Yeah, so it was it, it was the lead. There was a well, I don't know controversy in relative terms. It was controversial because first off, it was it wasn't good. It was really bad. Second, it got the office lead out. Like that was I can't remember if it was Thirty Rock Community or whatever was that lead out out of the office before that. But anyway, the whole point was this was the NBC comedy that you know they were putting their metal behind for yeah. the big new hit of the season. And I mean, it kind of plays in the theme of this episode, which is why I think they name check it here is because Outsource was a show about a company that outsourced its call center to India and they send basically a, a, a white guy from the U.S. to go manage the call center in India. So it's like a fish out of water. Yeah, they, you know, he has to teach them how to be American so they can better pretend to be American calling customers that they're American, yada, yada. And anyway, so right. So it ties in this episode where it's NBC was trying to be quote, more diverse or whatever. But the thing is, it was bad. It got critically lambasted. Um, it only lasted a season, and right because it was so prominently featured, like I think being put this because The Office 2010 was like The Office was at like riding really high in the ratings. It was one of the highest rated show comedies on TV at that point, or at least in the in the in the demo, in the advertising yeah. demo. So and I think it was that was when it was it was like it. It's, I think I feel like that's did it premiere 2006. The it, office, yeah, uh, sometime around then. Yeah, so this would have been like season four, season five, and that, that's that's you know its peak of, of mm-hmm. best stories and best elements. Yeah. So yeah, it was just riding high, and yeah, so they let's just slap outsourced and hopefully get yeah. some good numbers. Well, because they did not. Well, or they got good ratings for the first episode. Yeah. Not much else. But I mean, that. after that, people yes, tuned out. out. <laughs> Because it, it, I mean, it's the thing that's, I guess, always a problem, like, when networks have a huge hit comedy, they, they want to launch shows after it, but it's like, it seems like, if you look at the shows that have followed The Office and Modern Family, Big Bang Theory, like, over the past 10 years, like, how, like, how many of those actually lasted multiple seasons, like, it can, it, for some reason, it's, it, I don't know, it, it can be really hard to launch, you know, even if it's a well-reviewed comedy, just to launch mm-hmm. a compatible hit, like, I think, I think, I want to say, like, Big Bang Theory, like there were a couple like two broke girls, I think that might have started after, so that yeah. lasted a little while. But in, in general, like there's way more, way more misses. Than, I mean, yeah, I mean yeah. that's always been the story, though. I guess like but I think with two broke girls, it's not like critically acclaimed, and mm-hmm. like it gets enough ratings that it's like yeah. we can keep this around for a little while. But yeah. it's just like it's safe and probably inexpensive, 
and it's like yeah we can keep this yeah. going and that's basically what happened i think it ended up lasting like six or seven seasons maybe yeah and it's, it means it's been off for a while now but um yeah. anyway and it's just when you see a network pushing something so hard it's either they have a ton of faith in it or they're just like we need this to be a big hit it's and we know it's not very good but we just need it to do something well and like that for outsource that's for and i i think i watched the first episode and maybe the second episode but i was like this is not good and it's clear this is just nbc saying we need this to be a hit but we know it's not very good like it just it reeked of executive and a boardroom pushing it rather than the creative and the writers and anyone else getting behind it it just reeked of a, a studio pushing it rather than believing in it if that makes sense i mean networks always trying to push it there so i mean any show even if it would have been whatever show it was like i mean they would have tried to turn to a hit i think it was just that it was specifically that show that was that was just obviously not good yeah. so i mean like i mean like and actually well i mean it, offensive because i think it played up a lot of just like stereotypes that were like just i, I don't know i i think I guess there are ways you can do stereotypes that can maybe be funny, but it's like they were played for in a way that was just offensive. And like, yeah. You know what I mean? Because it, it's playing to an American audience. So I guess there are ways you, can, ways you can play stereotypes. Like if it was an Indian show playing Indian stereotypes to an Indian audience that, you know what I mean? Like that would probably be done in a different way then, but not. It's yeah. falling back on American stereotypes of Indians that are off, you know, that are yeah. lazy. So. Yeah. That like very stereotypical like Bombay accent, things like that. Like it's just like... Yeah. But I have seen a few of the actors like pop up in random other things here and there over the years. Good. So, yeah, that's I, good. They're getting out of work. That's good. I mean, <laughs> I was gonna say it's really thinking about it. It's really only been in like recurring and guest roles here and there, but at least at least that wasn't the end for them, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> but it's also funny that song. Like it's referencing all these shows of the past, and even Kenneth's song when yeah. he's performing. It's just like nothing of modern. Uh, which, I mean, it's them making fun of NBC, but it's also like, man, I guess they really haven't had anything outside of The Office that yeah. was really a real, and uh, that was a really big hit. Yeah, I care if Jeff Zucker was still in charge of NBC at the time, but like his thing was like looking into the past and like extending Stop friends for longer. So, I mean, I guess that's, you know, probably all the references to old things are in a way like poking at NBC, desperately trying to hang on to the past right. to preserves you're like like yeah. later in the show the show that dot com comes up with is like uh could be any you know what mm-hmm. you know any number of sitcoms that had aired back 10 yeah. 20 in the yeah. set you know 70s 80s so yeah but i mean i mean i get why you keep what's working for you around like you you extend seinfeld well seinfeld sort of ended on its own terms like larry david was literally just like i don't want to do this anymore and most of the cast were like yeah we don't want to do this anymore so they was able to end on its own terms but like something like friends and I guess like Will and Grace, like just those like six plus season sh- season shows, like you want to keep them around because, well, I think we've also mentioned it before. After certain years, that's also when cast like the cast and stuff can uh, ask for mm-hmm. more money. So it's yeah. like this balancing act of like keeping it around, but also somehow not paying too much money for it if the numbers aren't matching up and things like that. But it's like, I it's obviously easier to keep something around than it is to try and start something new and, yeah. and build build from yeah. the begin or build from the start again so yeah i mean sense. part of the reasons why i think networks have been canceling fewer shows recently is they learn that it's diminishing returns like sometimes it's better to hold on to a low rated but a show that is already established than 
I, I think there were too many times when shows were canceled for having low ratings, but then the shows that replaced them got even lower ratings. So it's like they kind yeah. of were just like, well, <laughs> but because you know, obviously, it costs money to to launch a new show. Mm-hmm. So it's like, well, yeah. keep the older show that's on, even though the ratings won't be great, they won't be <laughs> terrible. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I guess that's the story of network TV the last, <laughs> yeah, especially the last decade. So. Uh, meanwhile, at the Cable Town merger boardroom meeting, uh, we get our two, not cameo, well, one's a cameo and one's a guest star appearance. So Rob Reiner and uh, at the very end, Queen Latifah stands in. And this deal will count as a 39% bump variable against an 11% increase of synchronized flexibility. Sir, my name is Rob Reiner, and before I became a congressman, I dabbled in television, won a couple of Emmys. And I believe that my experience out there in Hollywood gives me a special insight into these types of deals, particularly when it comes to, uh, say it, meet it, vertical integration. Ah, the dreaded VI. Bad for America kills innovation, drives up prices. Is that it? I guess that's why Big Oil and Microsoft are such great American failures. What? Dare I say vertical integration drives down prices by streamlining the process. Consider the farmer. He owns his land, the equipment he uses to harvest his crops, the truck he uses to drive that product to the farmer's market where he sells it directly to the consumer. Is that not vertical integration? 1.32 p.m. Mark the time, ladies and gentlemen, that Congress put a bullet in the head of the American farmer. No, you win. The acclaimed director of When Harry Met Sally would never do that. As always, it's been a pleasure. Mr. Donaghy, one last question. Why is NBC so racist? <laughs> Surprise! Surprise twist. Ah, new familiarity with Rob Reiner. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He was the new girl. No, yeah. He was. That's right. <laughs> well, he was, but yes, he no, I know dad. that. And Jamie Lee Curtis was her mom, That's right, right. yep. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean... And he's been a judge on random lawyer shows for here and there. Okay. I didn't know that. I learned something. Specifically, today. one of them is the good fight. Anyway, we'll move on. Anyway, yes, obviously he has a much longer and uh, yeah, more storied career. Yes. I guess he got us started uh, on um, All in the Family, which there's a fun little reference when he calls him Meathead. That was what Archie Bunker's character would call Rob Reiner's character a lot. Um, obviously, When Harry Met Sally, which I actually watched for the first time the end of last year. I, I, it was one of those movies that I've seen it parodied so much that mm-hmm. I was like, I get this just to this. But it's actually like it's kind of a sweet movie in that like it's not as predictable as you might think. Like the way it, the way it plays out is like oh I didn't see this coming. Carrie Fisher does a great job in it. Didn't know she was even in that. Uh, no, it's it's just, it's a cute little movie. Like like is it Meg Ryan? Yes. Meg Ryan and Billy Crystal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they just had a good chemistry uh, for that movie. And there are always like fun little interstitials between uh, like real life couples just telling their. Like either like first date stories and things like that. It's it's just a, it's a fun little movie. Um, you mean there's a reason why it's <laughs> no, a no, classic of yeah, the genre? Yeah, I know, but it's still like uh, I, I, there's so much hype when you hear things like yeah. that. Like I mean, well, speaking of which, I remember another movie he directed that you were pretty lukewarm on is The Princess Bride. Oh, Rob Reiner directed Princess Bride. Rob really, I didn't know Princess that. Bride. Interesting. Um, which. I think people of our generation would argue it's kind of a perfect movie when, but you had never seen it. Yeah. But and I kept 
either I talked it up too much or maybe no. just I, well I mean that's what I mean I, I, I don't know like I mean it's just it's just yeah. not a movie that is my kind of movie I guess I don't know that's a no, shame. it was fine it's fine it's not fine yes it's everyone loves perfect. it perfect I guess people love it yes. it's a perfect it's movie it has Robin Wright I remember that there's a ton of people in it it's really fun ah but yeah I mean his, his career sort of speaks for himself but there, for whatever reason just the way my brain works all I can picture is when they were making fun of him on South Park and it, he wasn't voicing himself or anything but it was around the time when a lot of people in Hollywood were pushing like anti, uh, anti-smoking uh, laws and, and ideals and things like that and they just had him come in or they he was the character that would come to South Park and like was pushing his whole you know bar should uh, outlaw uh, smoking inside and um, they're trying to push it on kids and things like that and it was just every scene that he was in they just had him like eating and he like he had like rosy like he was just like they had him super overweight like rosy cheeks he was oh my god you kids like it was just like it was so mean they were just making fun of him so much and it was, <laughs> it was just like wow this is but it was like it was them making fun of the it's the, it's the South Park thing it was like they were being perfectly in the middle they were making fun of it but also showing light like they have a point, but they're also going about it the wrong way, things like that. But that's like the first thing I think of Rob Liner. And it's such a shame because he has such a storied career that it's like, shouldn't go to that first. You should go to something else. Um, but yeah. And then at the very end of that, Queen Latifah shows up. But uh, she's got more of a bit coming up. So we can talk more about her later if you want. Sure. Okay. <laughs> so speaking of Queen Latifah, here's her big uh, Graham standing. Uh, moment. Well, one of a couple that she has in this episode. Mr. Donaghy, I represent Rhode Island's first congressional district. It's a diverse community, from the hardworking moms and dads of Smithfield to little spoiled jags at Brown to a thriving, flourishing Italian criminal community in Providence. It's my responsibility to make sure that public airwaves represent the face of my public. Now, one question. Why is it that NBC looks about as diverse as a Wilco concert? I would point to um, Sunday Night Football, which features many black players and coaches. Oh, and uh, we have uh, Anthony Anderson, the star of Law and Order, which is entering its 21st. Uh... What? Why did we cancel that? That doesn't make any sense. Mr. Donaghy, this may just be about money to you, but as a member of Congress and a black woman... Uh, I don't really see color or gender, Mr. Che. I feel I have an extra duty, not just to my constituents, but to future generations. Now, unless I see some serious change at NBC, and soon, I can guarantee you this deal will not happen. Can you explain that last part to me, please? The peas and carrots? Rhubarb, peas and carrots. Oh, I, I thought you it. got that already. Because yeah. I mean, Dev and I do that all the time. It's it's basically, it's it's just filler speak. It's oh. to make it sound like some like a conversation or, or ah. mutter. It's muttering, but it's just, it's the same like when you lip sync. They call it when you're lip syncing, but you're not lip syncing well. You're peas and carroting because... Ah. You're essentially making the mouth movements, but you're not actually saying anything. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, that whole thing is rhubarb, rhubarb. Because it just, when you, I mean, Rob Reiner's character is hitting it pretty hard so you can get on the joke, but otherwise, if it's just muttering, it's, you're not saying, you're not actually saying anything. Yeah. I thought you knew that. Nope. No, oh, I know. You learned something today. Yay. Yeah. 
Well, that really wasn't her. I mean, her big regret yeah, you know, is, yeah. is upcoming. That was, I mean, yeah, I, I, I messed it up. I'm sorry. <laughs> Gosh, I know, I know. Yeah, we'll get it again here in a bit. Um, but yeah, I mean, Queen Latifah, uh, star of screen and star of music. Well, she was, she was, uh, she was a rapper first, yeah. and then she, she most like, like a lot of people in the '90s that were rappers, sort of transitioned into acting. Um, and I think she's had a bigger career as an actress than she ever did as a yeah. as a musician. Um, I can't really say too much about her career because, like, when she was a rapper, I was a bit too young for it. Like, I was probably mm-hmm. about five or six when she would have been in her peak, and we didn't have cable, so I wasn't watching MTV at no. that time. Um, and then, yeah, I guess her breakout was Living Single. It was her breakout role as an actress. Um, I'm sure she would have been... I'm sure she'd been in movies and stuff before that. Oh, yeah. That was like her big breakout role. And she's just sort of ridden that wave for the last 20 some years. Yeah. I feel like, yeah, I feel like she like is a. She's not a frequent guest star. No. Well, she was, I would say that the, the biggest thing I've probably seen her in is Chicago, which she, yeah. she got nominated for, but she, yeah. she didn't win. But um, I, yeah, I feel like, I don't know, she's been to a place where, like, she guest stars mm-hmm. and, like, pops up in movies and not so lead roles, but, like, yeah. prominent supporting roles a lot. Yeah. I'm trying to think, uh, what the last, last vehicle that she, she would have led, and then the only thing that's come to mind is the, is it the holiday where she gets news from her doctor that she has, like, a terminal oh, illness? Right. I don't think it's cancer exactly, but, it, so she takes all of her savings and just goes on this very extravagant uh vacation but then it turns out like her test results got mixed up i'm gonna say well that sounds like a twist at the yeah, end surprise like, she's like, not actually dying yeah yeah um but it, it's one of those like you learn to appreciate life blah blah, yeah. blah kind of schmaltzy yeah. kind of things but i mean she's definitely like one of the most like charismatic like like oh, well like she just exudes just like a sense where it's like some people just like i don't know like it, it's it's impossible like not to like them i guess like yeah. she's one of those people who just like exudes that like the rock like, the yeah. rock just has this charisma that is just like man i may not care like about billions and some of like fast and the furious stuff but he's just got and queen latifah they just have an air about them that's like i'll listen to what you gotta say you seem all right to me uh, oh speaking of the rock just bought the xfl I so it's coming that. back again it's just like god this Bless. thing will not die well uh, <laughs> Well, but I think he's we'll got a better, bigger, better, bigger, and better repu- uh, reputation than Vincent Man. So at least yeah. he could probably put something into it that he couldn't do. But man, that's funny. Yikes. Maybe the third time is the. <laughs> well, the second Sorry. time didn't get much of a chance because it sort of just well, that's your right COVID, COVID, COVID killed shut it. it down. But I don't think it had much to stand on to begin with when it relaunched. But anyway, yeah. But so to pivot back to the episode. Um, <laughs> This does do a, 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 a Queen Latifah's like uh, does an interesting kind of shift in storyline where it's like Jack, you know, like he knows what to say to the DC people, but it's like, oh wait, there's like a new wave of people who like care mm-hmm. about other things and sort of traditional stuff. So he's caught, you know, so he's totally caught off guard and like does the kind of screamers like, oh, we have black players on Sunday Night Football, so we're so that's how we're diverse, you know. So yeah, it's, so it's like kind of a commentary on like how there's something that worked a long way for a long time and now things you know are changing and there are different people who are now in power and have the ability to hold people accountable and you know cause 
and call right. people things, exactly. call things out. Yeah, because yeah, he, yeah. he he has such a swagger and such a, yeah. a a ready argument that he was not prepared at all for this. And even though it's not exactly um, what he was ready to obviously talk about, it's it was a conversation that needed to happen because, like she says, like I need to look out, even if it's Rhode Island, which is obviously the smallest state um, in the country. She has a due diligence for her community and for her people to say like yeah they need to see something on tv they can relate to and even she sort of speaks into some stereotypes of like a small growing italian uh community that's dedicated to crime like it's just like well <laughs> well i mean that's kind of a joke. Well, i i was yeah. there was some i don't know I, I i apparently like there was an issue like there was a mayor of providence for a while who's like heavily connected to mm-hmm. basically the italian from like i don't know if it's necessarily mafia maybe it was or partially but like definitely like was involved in a lot of like corruption in the city mm-hmm. government with basically various I mean, Italian people in town. Yeah. So, yeah. Crime syndicate. Crime syndicate, yeah. Whether they were Italian or not. Yeah. But yeah, he, it, it, it sort of just puts him on point now. He has, he's got to re- react to that and he's not ready. So, uh, which leads us to our next storyline is the dot com. Uh, the dot, well, I'd say it's more dot com story than Tracy's story, but Tracy gets sort of in on it because he's a bigger name but um dot com tracy and gris are like having to quickly develop a diverse show which by jack's measure just means a person of color show um so he's he has them start pitching ideas dot com you run tracy's production company right yes dot com productions that's tracy jordan spelled backwards well i need programming for the african-american community and nobody knows that demographic better than you don't worry about it jackie d i'm on it Call Grizz. I need someone around who's not just a yes man. Whatever you say, Trey. Oh, come on, Walter. What is going on? Representative Regina Bookman is using the Cable Town hearings as a soapbox from which to complain about a lack of diversity on TV. Well, she has a point. I was reading the new Malcolm Gladwell New Yorker piece on my Kindle. Did you really read that? No, I did not. I really resent the Congresswoman's accusations. I've long been an advocate for diversity. It's made this nation great. The Chinese built the railroads, the Irish built and then filled the jails. A guy named Juan built my armoire. Diversity means new ideas and new markets. It is our best hope for true innovation. Did you tell all that to Congresswoman Bookman? No, I was too busy trying to remember the name of the black kid on Community. Denal Glover. It wouldn't have mattered anyway. The whole thing was just political theater. You should have seen her grandstanding. The future and America. Now I may have lost my train of thought several minutes ago, but if I continue to talk like this, no one will notice and when I stop, you will applaud my energy. Thank you. Thank you. I can't let Bookman jeopardize this deal. Tell me about diversity at TGS. Well, Lutz claims to be Inuit. At least that was his explanation when I found his poem about snow. What about Tufer? Is he any good? I don't know if he's mentioned this to you a hundred times, but he went to Harvard. So we know he's smart and superb at masturbation. Ha! Is there any way we can give him a promotion of some kind? Sure. Make him co-head writer. I always figured he'd take over for me when I die at my desk. Really? You're okay with that? Oh, yeah. Let someone else share the total lack of respect, deal with the meetings, the complaining, the stupid Johnny Appleseed sketch. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You are not doing a sketch on the Appleseed family. Monty Appleseed and I share a liquor locker at the opera. Oh, I forgot my doctor said no more frustrated noises because it makes my vocal 
like this all day. <laughs> so it does some interesting commentary there where like basically it's you know too well off white people talking about diversity because like Liz, Liz basically is the joke about I read the Malcolm Gladwell piece on from the New Yorker on my Kindle where it's like okay so you have two white people talking about like how to make diversity better and so I guess like kind of I don't know good commentary on how you know like it's kind of tokenizing diversity in that like the, the way they're, the way they're thinking to solve the problem is oh how can we just promote someone you know what I mean? right, like, right, whereas right. like it's a more structural change where if you have more people position you know more people rising to positions of power it's a whole you know structural thing that that changes over time but here it's like oh you're like uh i don't know like here are the people who who have to fix the diversity problem in nbc and it's like you, you know kind of plays up the stereotypes of like right just upper class white people culture structural and, and strength yeah. in, in in numbers rather than yeah, yeah, yeah. and like and the, the, and they see diversity as what right the, the way they, they specifically say like the Chinese building the railroads and and what was it the Juan Irish, building her arm the war Irish built the prisons and yeah. they filled the prisons and they yeah. Juan. so basically Juan like so basically quote unquote diversity that yes involves people who are like not white working but like not in doing like uh, jobs that you know were almost like slave labor right oh, except one or just one isn't so I mean, just being in positions of power that you know can make decisions for wide swaths yeah know. yeah um but it's that the line read that jack has there of like i love diversity i think it's great and even like later on he has a bit about how important it is like when like at the very end of the episode when him and uh congressman book and bookman are having their talk about diversity like it seems like he's so on the side of diversity, which seems against his character because he's this straight-laced Republican that feels like, to me, diversity would be the last thing that he would want to promote. Mm. But and so it reads to me as it's more like them imprinting onto the show of like, well, NBC got in trouble for lack of diversity, so we need to make it a point. It seems like it's pushing. Uh, it no, seems cliche to say this is that's pushing an agenda here. Of having Jack talk about how important diversity is and how how much he loves it, how much it's needed, but it's also like it seems like it goes against his character too. I mean, I don't know. To me, this was another example of the show of this episode being a product of time because I feel like this time, like, well, this was early Obama, but still, like the the Bush era was still like you know big on those work pieces that basically involved a lot of. I guess a lot of I would say I mostly think like Indian but like a lot of immigration from South Asia and other places for people to work in the tech industry and I always started in the Bush era so to me this is a product of believing in that sort of diversity where like you're bringing in workers to do certain tasks without actually affecting systems of power and in a way that wouldn't work today because we know how if if Jack's supposed to be Republican how all sorts of in their First off, like the left service given to diversity from the right is usually is rarely in positive terms, and I mean the Trump administration I ran have into a black friend that's right. about as yeah. diverse as they get. Yeah. Well, and, like the Trump administration ran into a bunch of pushback from big companies when they tried to end some of the work visas that were bringing in a lot of of foreign you know foreigners to work specifically the tech industry. So I think this is a kind of relic how I don't know like. I guess that you know the Republicans have always generally considered more the party of probably of, of racism or whatever, but 
there are ways that... Whoa, but Lincoln was a Republican. Well, yes. <laughs> a long time ago, was right, it? Right, yeah. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> Two years ago. <laughs> but anyway, like, I, I think that that's another way this kind of shows his episode is kind of, like, it feels like of a time in that you... Well, I mean, I don't know. Like, I feel like there's been a change in culture where you even high-ranking, you know, quote-unquote fiscal conservatives that major corporations may not be as inclined to vote Republican as they were, you know, 10 years ago. But also just the shifting way of how, you know, that sort of... Uh, I think there was a lot more favor in... There a lot more public favoritism of immigration even 10, 15 years ago in a way that there isn't now. Yeah. So. Did you see that uh, George W. Bush is releasing a new art book? Oh, really? It's uh, it's like 43 portraits of immigrants, and it's just like... See, there you go. That ties into it exactly. We were just talking about Bush era kind of the the the, the being in favor of a certain kind of immigration, I guess, yeah. that they wouldn't be. Anyway. anyway. I mean, I don't have much to say about him. Like, he was not a great president. We don't. That's a whole other thing we don't even need and to go down. it's just like go down. what he did for immigration. And it's like now he's getting... It's just like, I don't know. I guess time forgets things about people. Oh, time kills sure. all, whatever. But it's just like, I don't... How did we let this go where we are forgiving him for everything that he's done? And it's just like... Because it's... Because it's gotten so bad that yes. it's like comparatively... Because well, it's been he more than... Bit, yeah. But it's like, when you're saying, well, he wasn't as bad you're still saying he was bad but it's just like just because the scale is up to 10 or 11 but he's maybe like an 8 or a 7 but if you think of the past it's just like 12 years the only way he's been portraying the media is he's mostly out of view he does art now and he's friends with michelle obama you know what i mean like that's you know what i mean but that's basically the entire media narrative of the past 10 years so it's like it's no wonder why a combination of time and Someone who he just hasn't done in the office now, now who is, uh, yeah. you know, in comparison course, is yeah. you know. So. Ugh, he's a war criminal. Why is he forgiven? Mm. So is I mean, still, most U.S. presidents are. If you right, if you right. yeah, and if you look at it, up, but yeah, anyway, still, we don't need yeah. to veer off in that direction. Anyway, uh, we go back to Tracy's dressing room, and they are pitching ideas for the next great NBC. Uh, show and dot com unfortunately is railroaded almost immediately so what do we want to see on tv i personally love cop shows i can't wait for law and order to start back up why it was a tin pole a tin pole well here's something i've been working on it's called let's stay together after the al green song it focuses on an African-American family in Detroit in the 70s. Motown, the auto industry, Vietnam, Watergate. Let's Stay Together is not just about a family trying to stay together, but also a nation. What if there was a talking dog? i like to see that incorporated into your rewrite. Okay, meeting over. <laughs> That's such a good line, line. I'd like to see that incorporated into your rewrite. Poor <laughs> <laughs> dot com. <laughs> He's got a really good idea. He has so many ideas, and everyone else just just make it just make it a really bad sitcom, yeah. and it apparently works because the show at least gets a pilot by the end of this the end of this episode. We see Let's Stay Together. Talking dog makes everything better. <laughs> no, it doesn't. So while uh, Toofer is enjoying his role as a co-head writer, and Liz is not enjoying the newfound fame that he has, and, and Liz is uh, being referred to now as the El Tejon of the TGS room. Uh, Jack gets a phone call from Congressman Bookman, who is in New York, and 
causes Jack to quickly scramble to uh, show how diverse the 30 Rock can be. The only thing that worked in the read-through was the dog. How's production going, Trey? Good. And there's a lot of buzz. Can you hear it, too? Or is my tinnitus acting up? Hey! That food is for dot-com productions only! TGS's food is backstage! But they don't have women's sports bars. Men can have cramping, too, you know. Mr. Donaghy, I have Representative Bookman on the line. Representative Bookman. Mr. Donaghy, I'm in New York right now. Some colleagues of mine and I are taking meetings on Wall Street, and then we're doing the Sex and the City walking tour. Magnolia Bakery? Oh, sorry, hips. But it looks like I'll have time to stop by and continue our conversation. Good. I welcome it. As I was trying to say the other day, this company has a long-standing commitment to diversity and inclusiveness. <laughs> Yo, Jackie D, I had dinner with Don Imus last night. He told the following joke. Goodbye, Congresswoman. I can't believe they rejected me. Well, of course they did. The bridge was supposed to be shuffleball change, Maxi Ford, Cincinnati, Cincinnati, double time, shim, sham, shimmy, toe punch. I don't know what you were doing. I'm sorry, Ms. Maroney. And where was your sparkle? You embarrassed me in front of all the other mothers. If you think you're going to Sizzler tonight, Jenna, you got another thing coming. Oh, you'll be practicing your steps in the garage until the school boat comes. If I hadn't seen you come out of me in that parking lot, I'd swear you weren't my daughter. Oh, my God. What just happened? I think you just turned into Let me get there. I've turned into my mother. And I turned you into me. You're welcome. But it was wrong. Well, to make it up to... Let me get there! To make it up to you, I am going to get your job back or my name isn't Yastrepa Gronkovitz. I, I mean, Jenna Maroney. I think we I think we cut it for time, but this episode contains the second reference of uh, Jenna and Mickey Rourke uh, about how he did something to her that she keeps that somehow she keeps going back to him. Um, but obviously, I mean that that scene sort of hits it on the nose of you know Jenna is living her childhood now through Kenneth and being a very big stage mom, but her. <laughs> Her insistence on let me get there. It's it's just so funny. Even though like he's already figured it out, she's just she has to be the one to do it herself. It's a lot of fun. Um, also, we learned Jenna Maroney is a stage name, of course. You strep I, I don't only see Verna as a Gronkovitz, but I guess that she's got that name from her father. Yeah, <laughs> I, yeah, maybe her paternal her paternal name. Uh, but this next thing I think is probably my favorite scene of the episode because it's cringy, but it's not like bad cringe it's just no. like it's, it's just for comedy yeah. and it's just it's like, just liz being a clueless yeah sort of well-meaning but ultimately clueless and vaguely yeah. racist white lady just uh, her, her read on everything is perfect like when she's introduced and then the camera moves off of her and she like reaches back into the camera i can tell you're off me it's just like there's so many good reads in this uh, we're just gonna do the whole bit. It's fantastic. Does I can't remember. I don't think the co-host even gets a line. I think she just sits there like she just sits there in service face. Yeah, <laughs> I like your dress. <laughs> do you have to wear a bra with that? <laughs> Welcome to Ride On. I'm your host Rutherford Rice. With me is my co-host Shirley Thomas. Our topic for today is African Americans and their roles in the media. Our first guest is James Spurlock, head writer for TGS with Tracy Jordan. Good day, Tri-Staters. Co, co-head writer. And also with us is someone named Elizabeth Lemon. Thank you, Rutherford. It is a I can tell that you're off me. 
Mr. Spurlock, do you think the system is broken when it is news that an African-American man is a head writer for a network TV show? I think I can answer that. Um, another question that we could be asking is why isn't it a big deal that a woman is a head writer? I would argue that TV is more of a boys club than a white club. I like your dress. Do you have to wear a bra with it? I'll let you get back to twofer. Who's twofer? I don't know. <laughs> when people think of TGS, they think of Tracy Jordan, Jenna Maroney, the mysterious crew deaths, the Angela Lansbury lawsuit. What they don't think of is you working long hours late into the night, giving up any semblance of a life. Well, James Spurlock, you can finally take your bow. You are right on. It's Arthur Ash of the week. Okay, you know what? I get it. I shouldn't be here. I should realize that when I saw the masks and the picture of black Jesus. That's me in college. Alrighty. Alright, I said I was leaving. You don't have to have your boss come and it's a security guard. That's not great. Hard. That's so good. There's just so much in there. Silly. Silly um, racist Liz. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I guess we should uh, mention the gentleman there uh, is Reginald Kathy. Who, uh, funny enough, is on like eight episodes of Law and Order. Oh, uh, really? During his well, time. probably every New York based actor was yeah, at some point. Uh, he had uh, a larger role he played in the last couple of seasons of The Wire. Uh, he was in Oz. I mean, he's sort of uh, a drama actor. He was, in, he was in a ton of shows like that. So he's got a great voice. I feel like he could have done a ton of voice. He, he's passed away now, unfortunately, but I feel like he could have had a ton of voiceover work. He just said that. That bassy voice that would have been a little bit He was the game show announcer on Square One on PBS. Did you watch that? I absolutely did. I remember that math. There was like a math detective show. It was like kind of like a variety, I guess, It was like, I remember it had different. I guess it was like Sesame Street in that it had different like bits and oh, segments. Oh, he was also on Sesame Street on yeah. a couple of episodes. <laughs> there you go. But so was everyone. Everyone's been on there. That was all about math. Okay. So it was, yeah, so it was done by children. I do remember this. I remember yeah. Math Man. Oh my yeah. god, this is horrible. <laughs> I remember there was like, there was like a, there were like secret agents or like something like that. And they were solving, I forgot it was all math. But yeah, it was done by the Children's Television Workshop. And it was to teach mathematics and abstract mathematical concepts to young viewers. Oh, wow. That is a deep cut. 87 to 92. Yeah, that makes sense. Like, I feel mm-hmm. like I remember being extreme. MathNet. That's what it was called. MathNet. Each episode had a home called MathNet, where detectives solving the crime using math. Yep, 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 yep. Wow. Well, there's my childhood for you. Hooray! It didn't stand out that well, though. I didn't remember too much of it. But I remember that Math Man, because... Because of Pac-Man. Yeah, that's exactly what it was. And there's a little tornado guy that was, I guess, his nemesis. nemesis. Mr. Glitch! Mr. A parody of the multicolored ghost enemies of Pac-Man. Thanks. Hey, they were hitting the they were hitting it at the the peak of its hype, I guess. Yeah. So at least it was topical then. Hooray! Oh wow! Fun little rabbit hole we fell down there. So uh, TGS is a bit of scramble mode as Congressman um, Bookman has made it to Thirty Rock. Uh, Jack is forcing everyone to be as quote unquote diverse as possible, where he forces <laughs> he's Jonathan. telling them to be diverse. How does one be diverse as possible? Well, he's forcing Jonathan to speak in a. A, a, a Bombay accent, accent to show how. Uh, okay, fair enough. Um, but you know, he's just like he's pulling out all these. No, I know, but the way you phrase it, they're telling him to be diverse. Like, yeah. how do you be diverse? 
<laughs> Go be diverse. Yeah, you just showcase. I guess putting on a fake uh, stereotypical Indian accent is always trying to be diverse. I guess. Yeah. Um, but this is one, this is one of those like frantic Thirty Rock moments. I think the series is known for of just like sharp, quick bits of of comedy, of just as soon as one thing ends, another thing is just piling up and making it worse and worse. Similar to like the. Uh, the adoption when um, oh Megan Mullally, Ma- yeah. Megan Mullally shows up. It's just this snow, this mountain of, or a snow snowball. What's the yeah avalanche or snowball? I guess roll, like rolling snowball. Yeah, yeah, like, picking yeah, up. yeah, snowball picking up uh, snow. Momentum. Anyway, yeah, it's it's just one of those moments of just it just keeps getting worse for everyone. Um, but Kenneth, uh, but just before this, uh, Jenna, despite trying everything she could do basically forces Jack to get to make Jeffrey Winter Slave give Kenneth his job back, which comes to light that he should have done that right in front of Congressman Bookman. Mr. Downey. Representative Bookman, welcome to NBC. This is the perfect place to begin our tour. Studio 6H, uh, home to one of NBC's biggest stars, Tracy Jordan. Mr. Jordan, Regina Bookman. We met at the Congressional Black Caucus fundraiser you crashed your motorcycle into. And thank you, Representative. What you're doing is very important. I can assure you that NBC is committed to making diversity our priority. Then just walk away and don't try to kiss her, Tracy, and don't say that last part hey you eat from your own table remember our food is separate separate I'll kill you white devil <laughs> uh, let's just head this way so how was your flight uh, Congresswoman, this is Jeffrey Weiner, slave. He heads our diversity and hiring initiative. What's the latest from HR, Jeffrey? Well, I'd like to tell you that we filled the minority slot in the NBC Page program with a Native American fellow named Wants to Get Sandwiches. But you made me hire that guy instead. Oh, brother. Oh. Mr. Shoelace, you're being silly. You call that a diversity hire? Maybe that young man is a hillbilly with a girl's middle name, and because his county never rejoined the union, uh, a foreigner. Now you're on talk. Have you two been talking? There's James. Attention, everyone. Oh, give me a break. I present you, James Spurlock, with the 2010 Tavis Smiley Excellence in Broadcasting Award. Thank you for making us all smiley. <laughs> Mr. Spurlock, how long have you been head writer here? Uh, one day. Mm-hmm. And who is the real head writer of this show? I am. Ah. Tell me, you obviously lonely and tired woman. Do you have to put up with this nonsense every day? Yes. You know, they say 90% of the work is done by 10% of the people. Thank you for being that 10%. You're welcome. After what I just saw, you may be the only person here I respect. You get an I Met a Congresswoman sticker. Thank you. Finally, that's all I wanted was This pers- country was founded okay. on certain principles. Oh, brother. Freedom, troops, America, flag. Y'all might not know where I'm going with this, but I know we will get there together. <laughs> Who loves pizza? 
must have been a word. So that, do you know anything about the Tavis Smile and stuff? I mean, I he was a talk show host. Okay. I mean, I guess the joke is, so in 2008, I guess he was critical of Obama. And oh. I well, I mean, I think he's. I mean, he's a, he's like a legendary like media figure and talk show host. Yeah. So I mean, it's kind. Of, I don't know. So it's. I feel like there's a there's a reference there that just. Oh, so I mean, to me, it's just part of the parody you're doing is like he was basically like it's 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 poking fun at how he was basically promoted to head writer just to oh. look good and like all of a sudden now he's he's the Arthur Ashe person gotcha, right on gotcha. figure of the week at winning the Tab Smiley Award so it's just, just how big uh, African American public figure that right they're they're, they're they're tokenizing it or not tokenizing it but like you know he's getting to sell all these things because basically NBC is you know is, is desperate to show right, right, right. how diverse they are so yeah. just playing into that um, I really like that <laughs> you, you get I, I met a Congress I saw a Congress whatever mm-hmm. sticker yeah, in the the overworked, um, what did she say? Overworked and sad, but yeah, overworked lonely woman or something like yeah, that. Or yeah, sad lonely. I can't remember. Yeah, 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 sad, sad lonely overworked yeah. woman. Just by looking at her, she can she can she can read Liz very well. Um, yeah. Also, there's a there's a really good visual joke there in the middle where they set it up earlier where it there there's recycling boxes set up and the recycling is sorted by white or colored. So of course, right as uh, the representative Bookman and Jack walk up to towards the down the hallway towards the bathrooms. The janitor comes to take away <laughs> the recycling boxes, so now it's just this colored and white yeah. next to the bathrooms. But I, I mentioned this off camera or off mic, but uh, they were unisex bathrooms, which were yes. pretty. I mean, I get in New York, it probably there's probably way more common, but I mean, it just now is that that's still a conversation that's still happening now. But yeah, uh, but no, it, it's a fun visual joke of just poor timing again just the stuff snowballing and getting bigger as it as it goes as it goes on and uh there's like this small continuing joke of lutz and tracy doing this uh you eat from your own food or you eat from your own like because there was a we we skipped it earlier for sake of time but um while they were producing dot-com show lutz was behind stealing stuff from the craft service table and tracy says no this is for this show you eat from tgs and lutz is like they have certain bars here that i like so now lutz is yelling back at him <laughs> for the same thing and again it's just poor timing because our food is separate separate it's just this whole separate racially separate thing it's just bad timing um but yeah, now we get the, the finale of the episode with uh, Jack and uh, Representative Bookman in Tracy's room saying, and it basically it shows the true colors of both where Jack understands how important diversity is, but also his, his standing as well as Bookman knows that she comes on a little thick. Or heavy, maybe is a better word. Okay, fine. I was putting on a show. I was tap dancing, but you made me tap dance. Did someone say tap dance? What was I supposed to do? This is a multi-billion dollar deal. There are thousands of jobs at stake, hundreds of second homes. And your ridiculous grandstanding could ruin the whole thing, like luffing your spinnaker during a yachting regatta. I know I'm not helping myself. Sorry, grandstanding? Do you not think I believe in this? It's just political theater. You're up for re-election. Yes. Maybe I could carry it away sometimes with my love for this great country and the troops and the flag troops. You're doing it. And I apologize. 
But I only talk this way so I can get people to listen. I care about these issues. And so do I. If you just give me a chance instead of ambushing me in front of the Congress and my own employees. You think I don't take diversity seriously? Only a fool doesn't. Diversity is the engine that drives this country. We are an immigrant nation. The first generation works their fingers to the bone making things. The next generation goes to college and innovates new ideas. The third generation snowboards and takes improv classes. We always need people who are pulling themselves up by their bootstraps. I did it. And it's my job to help others do it, too. How do I know you really mean that? How do I know you're not just grandstanding? Oh, I'll show you how. Unless you give me a real reason not to, I'm voting no on this deal. Then I've got three months to change your mind. I'll show you that this company... I'm cutting that fat cracker's head off. I'm part of Eskimo. Hey, crime! Crime! Three months, Congresswoman. We were here first! I do enjoy Jen's random tap dancing yeah. just outside the door. I like that she was, I like to think she was doing it nonstop. Like she didn't wait for the door to open for her to kick back up. Like she was tap dancing the entire conversation and they just happened to see her near yeah. the finish. Uh, yeah. But no, there's, I feel like with Congressman Bookman's role, of like the reason like she says like she has to be this grandstanding, she has to be this big is because if she just was small and meek about it, her words would just go over because she's african-american and she's a woman so already yeah. there's so many stacked against her that if she doesn't stand out in some way they're just gonna be overlooking her so it's like she understands that how almost obnoxious she can be with with how she presents herself but she also understands yeah i've got to because otherwise it's just not you're just gonna look past it but it's it's still like jack saying like i understand how important diversity is because the first generation does this the second which, I mean, that was kind of ahead of time because you had the boomers, the millennials, yeah. and then the zoomers. Well, I think that's kind of a stereotype in general of, right. of how, like, family wealth goes. Like, the right. first generation builds it, the second family, like, builds, establishes it, and the third generation, like, wastes it and yeah. goes... Weeps off know, of it. And yeah, just, and then eventually goes broken. Whatever. But, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, but yeah, no, like you said, I agree. I like how they kind of, like, you know, poke fun at the political grandstanding at the same time like show how that doesn't necessarily mean that you don't believe in what you're speaking about you just sometimes have to be over the top to get people right. to yeah. pay attention so, I mean, so i mean and sometimes right. people are just bloviating and they don't really care but you know sometimes well, no, I mean, sometimes and, and, some people some politicians you know yeah. actually do care and i think i mean i think it works too because i mean if you look at something like i mean in the 90s and the early 2000s the c-span cable channel was a joke of like people turn that on as like white noise it was like what people fall asleep to because it's just a bunch of old white guys talking about legislation and it's all like droning when you have people like this fictional character here congressman bookman or at least in modern light now you have like people like uh ocasio cortez and yeah well very like very passionate people uh, speaking on these on these matters in a very passionate you could say loud or yeah. aggressive or what negative or positive however you want to say it but if they were just those droning white guys it would just be as it would just be boring but yeah. it's, so it's like or not boring but it wouldn't but, feel as impactful yeah well in a way you can you can trace this current moment to the 90s and how new Gingrich used c-span to basically be fine like I, I don't know. The, the, there's a lot of books out there about how you can trace like the current divide and partisanship back to the 90s and how Newt Gingrich like basically 
acted in an extremely partisan manner in during the Clinton years in any way. But he like used C SPAN at the time and like famously there were times when there would be like no one in the chamber and he would like it would be basically make it theater. Like he would just like yell and act like there are ways that like he wasn't being given attention when it would the you know, or the the basically being deceiving in the way that the, the cameras pointed and how things were actually happening to make it look like you know like he wasn't being given attention or whatever. Basically like he played the camera in a way that no one had up until that time. So kind of like in one way like the people like Acosta Cortez like one way that use it now, but like that was another way how a change in how those tools were used to make politics into theater and yeah. gain like I mean for his cause were very different from the cause you know that like the Queen Latifah's character were gaining for but it's a way that still that was used to to advance what yeah which I good or bad at least it did bring attention to that and and made it a little well bit more mostly bad because of all that <laughs> but I mean it, uh, like, it helped shine light yeah. on on on, well, on it showed how you could use the media as a tool to yeah. advance your yeah. political cause I guess yeah. which some well more people seem to use it or bad than good but there are people uh but yeah um that's uh that's let's stay together uh any other thoughts we have uh, i mean I, I still think it's a super solid episode of, i i hate that i've forgotten so much that happens in this episode but i think still a much stronger episode than the like honestly the premiere episode is going to be such a measuring tool for season five um that uh it's going to be hard to to think it's going to be as memorable as a lot of these other episodes yeah. in this season. Yeah, it was a good episode. Another example, I think, of how even like if Tracy didn't have a lot of screen time, like they make a lot of use of the one-liners and stuff. He does have yeah. that are really funny. Yeah, and, and they they make fun of because I mean it's still wild to me that Law and Order is canceled, but they 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 harp on that joke a lot in this episode. But it's funny because I never expected it to be canceled, and I've never seen it. But like I remember when it got canceled, I was just like, whoa. But anyway, our uh, post credit scene, our, our, I keep saying post credits, but our credit scene is Dotcom's uh, dream has been realized. His, his show has got a pilot uh, called Let's Stay Together, and it has John Amos from Good Times and the Mary Tyler Moore Show and a ton of other things playing the role of the downtrodden, fired before his retirement situation. But then Rob Reiner is voicing Stanley the dog. Um, um, who has it just as bad yeah <laughs> he's got two dates on the same night <laughs> well i mean um dreadful. and so like it's this bad combination of like dramedy 70s sitcom versus over the top 90s sitcom just sort of commingling and being really bad uh, but as always thank you for joining us on go to there if you like what we're doing rating and reviewing is all the best way to help us out uh, otherwise we will see you next week uh, episode 84, Season 5, Episode 4, entitled Live Show, Ooh. or Live Show A and Live Show B, Ooh. because there's two episodes, Ooh. so there's going to be some fun next week in terms of presentation. Uh, but anyway, uh, David, take us out. See you next time. They closed the plant. I gave those people 30 years. I didn't even get a watch. All I got was this pink slip. You think you got it hard? I've got two dates tonight. Stanley, even for a dog, you are a dog. Yes! Prefix Grizz. <laughs> Uh-oh. Ain't life a bitch. 
You're welcome. But it was wrong. Well, to make it up to... Let me get there! <laughs>